Hi, everyone. This is Jenny G. Perry, and this is Goddess and Gab. And I'd like to welcome my guest, Edie Weinstein. She is one of my girlfriends, like for real in real life, not just a Facebook friend. And um, I don't want to bore you with the um, the epic details of her life. Not that it would be boring, but she did talk to the Dalai Lama. That's always my number one thing. I'm always like, Edie, you thought that's the Dalai Lama. Can you believe that? But you can share with them whatever you'd like for them to know, and then you can also share your website so they can learn more of you and read all your wonderful things and, and how amazing you are. Great. Thank you, Jenny. And it takes one amazing goddess to know one. And you're right. We mm-hmm. connected initially through Facebook. And then maybe, what, four, three or four years ago was um, right after Dylan was born, I think, is when we actually met face to face. And I thought, oh, my God, this woman is so me, even though our lifestyles are totally different. I don't have five children. I have one um, who's plenty. <laughs> um, I you know I have a very different <laughs> lifestyle than yours. But <clears throat> like a lot of my friends, we bonded heart to heart because we, we have the same idea that we should live out loud. Both of us definitely live out loud. Um, my website, is, you know, you mentioned, I'm, I'm happy to tell you about that. It's optimistical.com, O-P-T-I hyphen M-Y dot com. And where that came from was a couple years ago, I had this message and, and I hear messages all the time. Um, and having been a psychiatric social worker for a lot of years, I know the difference between psychotic voices and spirit, inspiration, whatever you want to call it, speaking to me. But the voice said, you're not just an optimist, you're an optimistic who sees the world through the eyes of possibility. And I encourage people to do that, to see possibility in everything. And one of my dream into reality experiences was interviewing His Holiness the Dalai Lama in 2008 because I saw that possibility. And you know, you know that if you didn't see possibilities in life, you wouldn't have the rock star life that you're living now, right? Is that... Yes. Mm -hmm. I totally, totally agree. Yeah. And you really have to be wide open to all the possibilities because most people, if you, if you'd ask them, would you ever be able to interview the Dalai Lama? They would be like, that's not even a possibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I knew that it was, I mean, I I was a journalist already. Um, I had connections, but it took 20 years from the time that I said, I really want to do this to the time it actually manifested. And I like the word, instead of mana, M-A-N-I-F-E-S-T, I like the word mana, M-A-N-N-A, hyphen fest, like mana from heaven. Um, I didn't mm-hmm. hear it, but I heard it from my friend Kim, who is um, a country teacher out in Houston. And she believes in the idea, excuse me, of manifesting, M-A-N-N-A, your heart's desires. So, I, you know, th- for those that are listening, think about what you want to call into your life, whether it's a relationship, a healthier body, um, whether it's um, um, someplace new to live, uh, a career change, whatever it is, think about what you want because you wouldn't want it if it wasn't possible, if it wasn't out there somewhere in your energy field. And then the idea is beckoning it, like you're, you're having a party. You know, you're inviting, if you invite people to a party, you make your guest list. You think, oh, it would be really cool to have all these people here because they would learn from each other. They'd have fun together. And you issue the invitation and you say, okay, here's the date. Show up. You know, you know when I have parties, it's potluck, um, music, drumming, colorful people, all kinds of very, you know, very touchy-feely people. And then the day of the party mm-hmm. happens and they show up. You're not going to shut the door and say, don't, you know, don't let me go away. You know, you, you know, the, what is it? The wizard doesn't see anybody. No way, no how you let them in. Right. 
Is that, mm -hmm. but when we put stuff out there in the universe, when we want to manifest something, when it shows up, sometimes we shut the door and say, go away, I'm not ready for you. Or I don't want you here at all. Um, and I know that's happened to me, that there have been times when I've wanted something, and then when it shows up, I get scared and close the door and hide. Do you ever do that? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I, I think that one of the great points that you, you also said was that like 20 years from when you had that desire. How many people are so impatient? I know I'm sure as hell impatient sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, in, in business and with career where you put all this effort forth and you really want it to happen like yesterday. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's, you know, like you say, divine timing. But mm -hmm. I think that what I've run into with a lot of people too is that that lack of clarity. They're like, I don't know what I want. And really sometimes that's really the most bullshit thing ever that we mm -hmm. say to ourselves because it's like you already know what you don't want. So on the flip side, you know what you want. And if you start talking about feelings, what do you want to feel? You get a lot closer to what that desire is. Or mm -hmm. they think they want to lose weight or move or whatever. And it's like, but what is the desired result from that? And why don't you practice that first? And when you're somebody who is a doer, who's going to make those changes where, say, you want to change where you want to live or whatever, don't be afraid of making the wrong choice. I think that's one of those things It's like, Yes, the thing shows up and you don't grab at it because you're like, I'm not sure if this is the right choice or not. Mm -hmm. But then what's the what's on the other side of that is that you'd stay stuck and then never be the person who tried. Yeah. Well, I was brought up in a family where my parents said, and, you know, they, they talked about it with food. So this is a good example. You don't have to eat everything on your plate. You, know, you don't have to clear your plate, but you have, you have to try it. So they, they encouraged us to try something new. And that meant experiences, people, travel. Um, I was a competitive swimmer. And I did that, started swimming when I was, well, I started swimming when I was four. But I started competitive swimming at 11 because our doctor, family doc, recommended it because I had asthma. And my mother said two things. She said, as long as you like it, you're enjoying it, and you, you, know, you find it fulfilling, and you're willing to go to practice, I'm willing to drive you. Because we, you know, in the summertime, we could walk to the pool. In the wintertime, um, we swam at Burlington County College. My sister and I did that. And my mother said, I'm willing to put the time and energy into getting you there, but you've got to like it. If you don't like it, don't do it. <laughs> you know, and I thought, how many parents say that? You know, how many parents say, um, you know, like if you're taking piano lessons or guitar lessons, you got to do it whether you like it or not. They encouraged us to mm -hmm. doing, which meant we were going to be more committed to it. So I use that same practice now when I coach clients or counsel clients. I say, tell me what really lights you up from the inside and turns you into a human sparkler. Do that. Even if you're not as good at it as you want to be, even if people are telling you you can't do it, if it lights you up, that's your purpose. That, you know, that's oh, my goodness. I agree. I 100% agree. And, you know, there's this woman who I think she has Asperger's. And they wrote about her in our local paper before, and she's called Underdog, and she has this, like, cape and costume and everything. And she um, goes to, like, the Halloween parade and the Christmas parade, and she dances her little heart out. And I love it. And when people will, like, laugh or, like, not get it, I want to punch her in the face, to be honest with you, because I'm like, she's so happy. And I wish everybody would, first of all, have balls to go out and do that. But she's, like, so in her joy. And it's like, really, what if everybody just did things from their joy? Mm -hmm. Because really, that's, that's more important than getting the accolades and all that. I think that 
kids that when they're in competitive sports when they're younger and you're constantly getting that validation from other people approving of you, it's, it's a bad thing mm-hmm. because you have to be the one to give yourself the, like your okayness, even if other people are not okay with you. Yeah. And with my children, with my oldest, I made her try like everything under the sun because I was like that mom at that time. Mm-hmm. And now if the kids don't like it, I'm like, all right, we're out. I'm not, you know, and I don't sign up for certain things, even if the kids say they're going to like it, because I know the time commitment, like mm-hmm. my middle son, Finn, he wanted to do football. I know Finn. I know the way Finn rolls. It's mm-hmm. hard enough to get Finn to karate twice a week. Right. So if he were to commit himself to a couple of hours, um, four nights a week for football, and then also football on Saturday morning, it would not be good for him. He, he needs his downtime. That's just the way he is. So I overrode that. Now, if, you know, he really has a strong desire in like two years when he's in like sixth grade, then I'll, you know, revisit that. But with the kids now, I want them to, you know, to be guided towards something. There's a kind of philosophy where you have them try like every instrument or every sport or whatever. And I just think that if you have something that you're meant to do, you'll be guided to it. Something will light up about that for you, mm-hmm. even as adults. Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, you're committing, you know, his commitment latches onto your commitment because if he, you know, if, if he's not, will, if he's willing to do it, you're committing to it too. And you multiply that times five kids, <laughs> holy smokes, mm-hmm. you become busy too. So I agree with you that, um, you know, finding your passion is not always easy. And a lot of people feel disappointed if they say, I don't know what my passion and purpose is. I have clients sitting in front of me all the time that say that. And I say, well, what is it that you would, that brings you joy, that brings you bliss? And for me, a, a lot of it is, is heart-to-heart connection with people. I was telling you before we started recording that this weekend I did something that is, that is my absolute bliss. There was an event called Hugs Across America. And it got launched about three months ago. I was talking to two friends out in San Francisco who, who like me do the free hug thing, you know, where you stand on a street corner or walk down a street mm-hmm. and people for hugs and they do what they call trust hugs where they blindfold themselves and trust people to come up and hug them. And I thought, let's oh, wow. do something big because our country right now, and as we're recording, it's right before the election here in the United States. And it's scary for a lot of people, you know, what, no matter who you're voting for, somebody's scared, somebody's going to be disappointed. Somebody's going to be upset. So I said, let's bring people together in the spirit of cooperation, in the spirit of love, no matter who you're voting for, no matter what your religion is, what your skin color is, what your gender or sexual identity is. Because when I hug people, I don't know all that stuff. And it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. because I'm hugging heart to heart. So there were 20 cities throughout the country where people did this. They were out in San Francisco. I'm here in the Philadelphia area. There were people in New York, in D.C., in Portland, Oregon, in Austin, Texas, some, some I think Chicago, someplace in Utah, um, all over the country doing this. And when we did it in Philly, we did it um, at the Love Sculpture by City Hall. And a friend. Oh, that's perfect. It was amazing. A friend had come down from Canada. She's a singer-songwriter named Pamela Jane Duran, and she has this exquisite anthem called love is all and for those that have ever been to city hall they have these tunnels that go under you know underneath city hall you can imagine the acoustics in there with her belting the song out um that you know that love is all that's it (laughs) so we hugged between i think there were like a half a dozen of us that were there in you know in philly 
hugging it out with people. And we hugged several hundreds of people throughout a three hour period. And some of them were, were people that were doing the Susan G. Coleman three day. So we hugged them. Um, we hugged people that tourists from all over the world. So imagine exponent. And you can hear how excited and enthusiastic I am talking about this um, exponentially. How many people we hugged that went out into their lives with contagious love. So that for me is a passion. I want to do this everywhere. I want to hug people everywhere. <laughs> no. So can you hear how lit up I am? What's, what's your passion, Jenny? What would, you know, if, if you had, I know you have a lot of them, but what's a big one for you? That's a great question. I think that for me, first of all, fashion is a passion. I, I, I'm going to blog about uh, fashion this week about how I use that to really raise my vibration. And, um, and also coaching, like those things really, really light me up. But also, like you said, the connecting heart to heart, which um, I think that that's like a huge thing. And one, I was just thinking about the whole political thing that you were saying, because tonight, tonight is one of the debates. And one of my friends is a, like a big Trump supporter. And that to me is so crazy. And I would not even entertain a conversation with her. I won't entertain a political conversation with anybody right now, because it brings my vibe low. And what I want everyone to remember is that like, you're going to have a good life and you can't make any sort of thing like that bigger than realizing you're, you are a co-creator with source. That's super important. Now, are there things in the world that we don't like? Yes, but we could also go to the present moment today and be in gratitude for all of our friends, all of our family, all of the love that we have in our lives. And that's what I choose to focus on with that. Um, but I wanted to make sure that we, that we got the point in about, self-care because you um I wish we had more time today too because I forget how much you and I um are like we when we get a yummy conversation going we could go for days <laughs> right um but self-care what should it just explain right now to like you know women that would be tuning in that were that are maybe younger than you and have I don't want to say less wisdom but on the other side of where you're at what wisdom would you give a woman my age Sure. Specifically. First of all, I just turned 58 on October 13th. So I'm a crone mm -hmm. is how I would look at it. And it's, you know, I love that term because, um, you know, it ties in with the goddess concept made in mother crone. It doesn't mean I'm an old lady. It doesn't mean I'm an old fetch or that I dry up or, you know, anything like that. I, I have a juicier life than I did in my thirties and forties. So what I learned about self-care, um, I learned the hard way. I grew up with a mom that was all things to all people. My mother was the rock of the family, you know, and, and what I would tell her is, you know what, mom, rocks crumble. You don't have to be on all the time. I didn't take my own good advice. So in November of 2013, um, I had shingles. My mom had died in 2010, my dad in 2008. And I had been, I'm a social worker, I'm a minister. So I took care of hospice, I worked with hospice with my parents. I was the minister that officiated at their services. I was my mom's power of attorney. Plus I was working full time as a therapist in drug and alcohol. I had, um, I have, I saw the son um, who was, you know, going through life stuff. So I was carrying the weight of the world in my, you know, like everybody. So I had shingles, the left side of my face. I looked like a Klingon. I had lesions. My eye was swollen shut. Steel, like, like a chisel pit, not steel, but like a um, uh, ice pick chisel headache um, on the left-hand side. And I said, okay, I need to take some time off. So once the shingles cleared up, I said, okay, all better now. And I went back to my routine. Then in June of 2014, on the way home from the gym, where I would normally go five to six times a week um, for workouts, I had a heart attack at 55. 
and I knew it was a heart attack. I could, I could tell because, and this is something that women need to know, our symptoms are different from men's. It's not that crushing left arm chest pain thing. It's jaw, if you could grab your jaw and hold it, that's what it felt like, like this grip on my jaw, tightness, pain, um, searing heartburn pain, torrential sweats, and I knew I had cooled down, so it wasn't that. Um, heart palpitations, dizziness. I didn't go straight to the hospital, although I could have. I went home and called and canceled with a client. And I still didn't drive, I still didn't call 911. I drove myself to the hospital. Don't ever do that. <laughs> you know, I was really lucky that there were no I, angels, or, or, angels guided me there. So I walk into the ER and I say to one of the, the, you know, the women behind the counter, I think I'm having a heart attack. They whisk me up to the cardiac cath lab and the nurse says, You're going to hate me, but I'm only going to shave you on one side because one point of entry for the cath is the groin and the other is the wrist. And I said, well, couldn't you do a landing strip? And she started laughing and, and she said, no, you're on your own for that when you get home, which told me oh my that, I, that I was gonna go home, you know, that I was gonna get home. But fortunately they went in through my wrist and I had a stent inserted. Um, and people warned me about self-care, good friends came in and threatened, threatened me if I went back to work too soon. Um, so I took two weeks off, my boss told me he wouldn't let me in the door. Um, and I watched the ceiling fan spin and I had to change my diet. I went on medications. A month later, I was in cardiac rehab. I took naps uh, because I used to say that sleep was highly overrated. A month later, just when I thought everything was all better, I had kidney stones. Worse pain than the, than the headache from the shingles. I would never wish that on even the meanest, rottenest person in the world. It's horrible. So that was a whole weekend of kidney stones. Just when I thought everything was all better, uh, about two months later, I found out that I had adrenal fatigue. Uh, I think I'm done now. <laughs> I think I got, finally got the message. So that <laughs> like, was like if, you have, if you haven't earned your warrior warrior wings yet, I and I yet. would just like I, I would just like to say that I just think you're a vintage hottie. That's what I'm going to call you. <laughs> a, a vintage what? Okay, a, a vintage hottie. That's all. A vintage That's hottie. Fifty years of vintage that. hottie. I'm a vintage mm -hmm. hottie. Well, I call myself a seasoned woman. So yeah, vintage hottie. I love uh, it. The yes. What I do for self-care now is that I take naps. I still don't get a lot of sleep at night. Um, during the, the, before the heart attack, I was working 12 to 14 hour days, sleeping maybe five or six hours a night. I get maybe seven, sometimes eight if I'm lucky. But I wake up in the middle of the night inspired to do something. And that something is usually writing. Writing is, my, is one of my passions also. So I write at all hours. Um, so self-care involves maybe three or four times a week at the gym. Today I went there, I have a, um, a male friend named Greg who had a heart attack six years ago and every once in a while he'll say, you want to meet me at the gym for kind of like a kick-ass workout. And we were just going to do our regular you know, hour workout. As we're walking in, the spinning teacher says, you want to do my spinning class? It was just the two of us with her. So we did a half an hour spinning class plus the regular workout. That's part of my self-care. So again, taking naps, going to the gym, taking walks, hugging, because hugging is heart healthy too. Um, being with friends, being with family. Um, I volunteer at an equine rescue farm doing Reiki and massage for horses. So being around animals, that really helps. Um, living my creative passion helps. Eating healthfully. Um, before the heart attack, I ate a lot of the prepackaged, you know, veggie burgers, really high in sodium and cholesterol. So I can't do that anymore. Um, I used to drink chai a couple times a week, can't do black tea, no caffeine, can't, you know. So I'm mindful of what works for my body and what doesn't. Um, I've slowed down my schedule dramatically, despite what it might look like, uh, because I was working full-time and doing all these other things, and it, it didn't serve me. 
uh, what I was talking about, my feelings, because um, I'm a recovering, literally recovering workaholic codependent. And workaholism is probably the only addiction that's encouraged in most cultures. Um, you know, the idea of, of reward for hard work. And I didn't want to feel like a slacker. So, uh, you know, I came by that naturally. Both my parents, I think, were, were somewhat workaholics. And then the codependence was what I called savior behavior, that I thought it was my job to fix, heal, cure, kiss all the boo-boos and make them better. It's a mom thing, too. But I think it's also, you know, I came by that genetically as well. And I can't. I can't take care of, you know, I can help, but I can't fix anybody. And really, cause nobody's broken anyway. So that's part of the self-care. Letting people do things, mm -hmm. that's tough. For those of us that are givers, I have a really hard time receiving. So I have friends that are willing to teach me how to receive. Um, and even and you and I have talked about this, how hard it is for me to let a man take care of me. Because mm -hmm. I've... I was widowed in 1998, so um, you know I've been independent since then. You know I've had relationships, but I've rarely had one where I allowed myself to be taken care of. I had I had partners that insisted that I receive, and boy did I fight it. <laughs> you know, like no, no, no. That's too funny. Yeah, because and, and you know my husband is one of the only people that I I would feel comfortable receiving from from for the longest time because I can be a little brat with him because you know that's our relationship is that um we're you know we are soulmates i treat him like he's my boyfriend and we can be parents we can be responsible but then we can also be like you know the, that kind of like i need you kind of thing like in a healthy way yeah um well this this self-care this is a good note for me to 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 do this week is i have three appointments that i mixed up this week which is very unusual for me I went to do parent-teacher conference on Monday, and it was actually the following Monday, so it's this coming Monday. And then yesterday, I thought we were doing this show for some weird reason. I, I knew it was on Wednesday, but I almost like had my days mixed up. And then um, my hairdresser called this morning to say, hi, are you on your way? And I was like, um, no, uh, Michaela has an appointment later. And she's like, yeah, so you had one right now. And I'm like, oh, I thought it was next week. So I got a text reminder from them and I just didn't even look at it because I thought it was for Michaela. So I got to pay attention because I am always on, you know, I really am always in that go, go, go mode. And it's, I function that way because I like it. The only time I do rest is in the evening. You know, once it's like, once it's like, you know, after nine o'clock at night, like I'd chill and I don't work then. I might be, you know, responding to emails or something like that, but I'm not in that, um, you know, power mode. I am trying to relax and, you know, chill out watching something on TV or whatever um, and snuggle with the kids. So I do need to pay more attention because that's, that's definitely an indication that something is off for me to be missing that. And, you know, three things that were like, okay, I get the message universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know sometimes, and this may sound weird, I affect electronic equipment sometimes. And when my computer slows down or if I'm working late at night and it just doesn't conk out, but it, it slows down and say, okay, I'm getting the message. I need to take a break. So, mm. we, you know, we are matter and energy together and our energy affects what's, and this is not woo woo stuff. I, you know, I'm, I'm a grounded mystic and I find that when I'm off, things around me are off. <laughs> you know, traffic mm. slows down. Um, you know, I can't find my keys. If I need to get, if I'm running out the door and I say, okay, there's a reason why you misplaced your key. And I always put them in the same place. And 
you know, something could be hiding in plain sight, but it keeps me like today. And this is not TMI. I was on my way to the gym um, and I missed a patch. I, was sh I shaved before I, you know, put my shorts on. And it's a, it's a warm um, mid-October day here in the Philadelphia area. So it's like going to be in the 80s today. So I was wearing shorts and I got in the car and I said, oh, I got a really big patch of fuzz that I missed. So I had to run back into the house and, and get the razor. And like, <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay, maybe, you know, so I got to the gym later, um, you know, which is fine. I mean, it's not like he, like he was waiting for me to, to work. My friend was waiting for me to work out. But when delays happen, I find there's a reason for it. And I'm usually fastidious about time. If I have an appointment, I'm there. But I thought, okay, just relax. It's going to be okay, you know. So life gets lifey sometimes. We have no control over certain aspects of our lives. And that to me is something. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Time is, you know, time is really the most precious thing we have right now. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, you know, I am, I'm so much like, I'm, I'm just thinking about self-care now. And one of the things about self-care is that I'm really a snob about my time now like what I want to spend my time on. Yeah. I really don't like to waste time. And it's either, I'm either like, you know, spending time with my friends or family or in business mode. But like when, when, you know, my older kids were younger, I remember like, you know, I would want to meet up with people at the playground and different things like that with their kids. And now I'm like the biggest, like I, I hoard my time. It's like, I may seem mm -hmm. like for some people I waste time on certain things, but to me, it's like so precious. It's like so mm -hmm. important to me what I use my time with. And I also have yeah. to be more mindful of my time because I, working from home, I am working a lot. And then with the kids, mm -hmm. I want to make sure that they feel like I am being present for them at the same time. Mm -hmm. So almost like having office hours, which I, I try to commit to that. But, mm -hmm. you know, I do have to check in from time to time with, you know, clients and whatnot. So, but that's one of those things I need to be mindful of myself. Mm -hmm. Well, you create a life where you have that balance. I saw you this summer at the beach and you had time with your kids. You had time with clients. You had time to hang out with me. So you've learned to balance. And I know and you're in your totally transparent and authentic, you know, what you see is what you get with you. Cause when, when people ask me to describe you, you know, I, I say that is, you know, Jenny is what you see is what, you know, she doesn't put on any airs. You know, you see the, you know, it's the sex part, sex part with stretch marks thing. You don't hide the stretch marks, you know, and they're not just on your hips and your belly, they're on your heart. So mm -hmm. there are times when you get cranky. There are times when I get cranky when, when I'm not attending to my own needs, I get irritable um, or I feel put upon. And you and I probably have the same um, dynamic going on. We're the go-to people for a lot of folks in our lives and people know that they can call on us and count on us. And there are times when I need to say, okay, I need to call this person back, but I need to breathe first you know if it's not a crisis emergency situation i give myself time to come home and eat dinner before i call somebody back mm -hmm. um or i you know i um change plan i don't you know frivolously or impulsively change plans if, if i'm committed to something and for whatever reason i can't do it i call and renegotiate i say can't you know i know i said i'd be there at this time but i just got home from work i need to take a breather can i come over half an hour later and people are usually open to that. There's, you know, there's no problem. So that's, that's awesome. I, that's I think that's, that's awesome. And that's the thing is that, you know, there's a balance between being flaky and having epic self-care. Because yeah. I know people that, you know, um, people would say they're going to come down the shore to visit and then I would like make plans and then the, their plans would change. And, you know, and, and I think it's hard because they might be coming down 
to, you know, with a different agenda. And here I'm like just rolling with regular life. But I really noticed that like, you know, you have to be, you have to decide what you really want to commit to. And I really don't try to overcommit anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I was like trying to check in with myself because of the three appointments where I'm like, am I afraid of overcommitting where I am missing opportunities because I'm afraid to get my, my calendar too stacked? Because I know that if my calendar is too stacked, I do like start to feel that, you know, out of balance because I love freedom to me like that, you know, like we're talking about time. That's one of those things. I love to feel like I have free time. And as an entrepreneur, I do like, unless I have meetings, you know, what I'm creating at that moment is really up to me. And I'm feeling like this major tug too, that I have to hunker down and really get into the mode of finishing my novel. It's like one of these things that's like haunting me because I really want to. Because I've said to myself I was going to do it, but it's just I'm, I'm getting other ducks in a row business-wise. And I know that once, like, once I really do get inspired to dive back into that world, I'm going to need to push certain things, like, away on my calendar. Mm-hmm. Because that's like that, you know, you know when you get into that mode where it's like you eat, it's like hours. And you, like, didn't even eat. And you're like not paying attention to the world because you're in that writing space. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And to me, that's... An, it, I would call it a healthy addiction, uh, you know, but there are times when I need to sleep. And I said, okay, muse, let me sleep. <laughs> you know, I can, I'll be more like last night, I was dozing off while I was writing an article for BeliefNet and I didn't finish it. And I, you know, I, I woke up from a, like a 15 minute power nap and I said, what did you just write? That sentence makes no sense at all <laughs> because I, <laughs> I was writing. <laughs> That's too <laughs> funny. Well, I'd like to see, I can't imagine you not writing well because you're an amazing writer. I, anybody who is not familiar with Edie, please follow her. You can find her on Facebook and I'm going to, um, I'm going to get the links from you. So I will put it in the information with the, um, with the blog so they can click into your website. And I just want to thank you for all your wisdom. You always share with me whenever we have, like, whenever we check in and have a chat, it's always like, a therapy session for both of us and it just yes. fills our souls like that's when you know that you have the right tribe when mm-hmm. after a call with them you literally feel like you got you know like mm-hmm. a boost at 12 you know and you got a soul hug even though it was just on the phone because oh. we always accept each other exactly the way we are mm-hmm. and we both are of that kind of the same thinking that like spiritual chicks don't have to always be rainbows and unicorns mm-hmm. and they can embrace their shadow side and that's that's mm-hmm. actually super healthy yeah yeah, no, I definitely, I, I, and I've started to do that because I was light and fluffy, um, fair. I mean, I'm a, I'm a clown. My character's a fairy named Feather. So light and fluffy, hearts and rainbows, and, and, you know, as you said, unicorns and all that, but that's not all we are, that we have that shadow. And shadow doesn't mean evil. It just means flip side, yin and yang, you know, so I'm learning mm-hmm. that as I, as I become vintage. I like that, vintage hottie. All right, I should put that on <laughs> my bio too. So thank you. Yes, that's your, that's your new name. And so everybody try to think about today, what is one thing you can do for self-care and start looking at the signs that Edie said that she was missing in her own life that led to her health issues. And so I'm going to be mindful of my time and what am I missing here? What is the universe trying to tell me with me missing that? I mean, nothing was bad because I actually was only one appointment that was that put anybody out of their way. The other ones were just, you know, fixed easily. But my daughter actually went and took my appointment. So it's okay. And, um, and it could have been that I, we're not really sure if I made the mistake or the place made a mistake because we were juggling a couple of different appointments between me and my daughter. But that's also the thing is I forgive myself. I'm not going to feel bad that I missed the appointment 
So when things like that happen, take it as a sign. Don't beat yourself up. We all are going to um, rebound when we make mistakes. Mm-hmm. So everyone have an amazing day. And thank you, Edie. I love you so much, honey. I'm going to stop the recording, and then I'm going to say goodbye to you on the phone yeah. so that way I can give you a proper loving goodbye. Thank you. So okay, thank you, guys. Thank you. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.